You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, you may find the content of this podcast difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. You should also be aware the information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. If you have clients with grandfathered account-based pension for social security purposes, the question of whether to retain grandfathering or to roll over to a new account-based pension that will be deemed is an important decision. And while we currently have historically low deeming rates, which makes deemed account-based pensions look attractive, there's no guarantee that deeming rates will stay at their current low levels forever. I'm Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and here to talk to me about grandfathered account-based pensions is Kim Guest, one of my senior technical services managers. G'day, Kim. Hi, Craig. How are you? Good. Ready to talk about grandfathered account-based pensions. Favourite topic. Favourite topic. Topic of the month. Now, obviously, as you just said, we're going to talk about these things. So, you know... you know what I'm going to ask you. Can you give us a summary of how these things actually work? Sure, I would love to. So um, we're probably all pretty familiar with this because it's been around for a little while. But prior to the 1st of January 2015, um, the world was a simple place. All account-based pensions were assessed in the same way under the income test for Social Security purposes. And they were assessed by looking at the annual payment that the client receives from that account-based pension Mm -hmm. and subtracting a deductible amount. And what that meant was that if the client Um, drew a fairly low annual payment, which was equal to or less than the deductible amount, they actually had no income that was included under the income test from that account-based pension. But if they drew a higher annual payment that exceeded the deductible amount, then the bit that was above the deductible amount was actually included in their assessable income. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, the rules changed. And from the 1st of January 2015, all new account-based pensions that were purchased after that date were deemed instead of being assessed under those old rules. So they were included in all the other financial investments um, and the deeming rates were applied. And this meant that, you know, these new deemed account-based pensions, it didn't really matter how what level of annual payment that the client actually receives because they were just subject to deeming regardless of how much income they drew from it. Mm-hmm. But when they introduced these new rules um, from the 1st of January 2015, they grandfathered um, existing account-based pensions that were already in place at that time. So if you have a client who commenced their account-based pension prior to 1 January 2015 and they still have that account-based pension and they've been receiving Centrelink payments such as the age pension since that time, then they have a grandfathered account-based pension and it continues to be assessed under the old rules, which looked at that annual payment minus deductible amount calculation. Right, yep. Um, And we also have some grandfathering that can apply to reversionary account-based pensions, but we'll talk more about that later. Okay, so January 2015 was, if I can do my maths, was more than eight years ago now, but there's still lots of clients with these things, grandfathered account-based pensions out there, aren't there? Yeah, that's right. We're still getting quite a lot of calls from advisors who, you know, they're reviewing their existing clients and um, they're in sometimes these older products that are um, that are, have that grandfathering applying and, and they're asking questions about, you know, um, what would be the implications if they change that account-based pension, for example. 
Okay, so let's start off with the obvious one. So let's say we've got an advisor considering recommending a client you know, commute and roll over a grandfathered account-based pension, which could be for lots of different reasons, such as you know, it could be as simple as just wanting to move to a new product that is cheaper or, or whatever. Um, but we know that their account-based pension um, is deemed for social security purposes. So the question is, what's going to be better for them? Sticking where they are and keeping grandfathering or going for the new deemed account-based pension? Yeah, well, that that is a pretty, um, it's a tricky question to answer because it does depend on the client situation. So if we stuck with the existing grandfathered account-based pension, then we know that under the income test, their level of accessible income um, could be very low if the annual payment they're drawing is equal to or less than the deductible amount, um, or it would be zero in that case. Um, but alternatively, if they were drawing a higher level of income uh, that exceeded the deductible amount, they could have quite a lot of accessible income. So whether that grandfathered account-based pension is appropriate for them sort of depends on, on what level of income they're drawing. Um, if they did need a higher level of income in a particular financial year, like they you know needed 20 grand to buy a car or something like that, then we also have that complication with those grandfathered account-based pension is to how do you take that 20,000? And we get a lot of questions, don't we, from advisors mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. um, if they take it as an additional pension payment, then that increases their accessible income for the remainder of that financial year. And sometimes that can take them by a big surprise and really adversely affect their Centrelink. Or they have the alternative of taking it as a lump sum commutation and then that recalculates and reduces the deductible amount. So that decision you know, is complicated and needs to be thought about carefully if they need an extra amount. So that's grandfathering. But then if they roll over to a new account-based pension, it's simpler. It's just you know, including their other financial investments and deemed. And as you mentioned before, deeming rates are really low, aren't they, at the moment? They're only 0 mm. 0.25 and 2.25%. So it looks like at the moment, you know, rolling to a deemed account-based pension isn't such a bad option. Um, however, it's it's a once once you've done it, that's it, isn't it? Once you roll over to a new deemed account-based pension, you've lost grandfathering. There's no going back. Um, and so we do need to have a look at those deem, deeming rates and whether they, you know, are going to stay at the current low levels. Okay. Just obviously listening to that, I suppose we talked about before that there might be some people, you know, changing over products, but there could also be people here that are looking to take advantage of those recontribution strategies due to the changes in the work test. So, Remember there that um, all those people 67 to 75, including up to 28 days after the end of the month, they might be actually looking to pull money out and put it back in to re-contribute, maybe to a younger spouse, all these sorts of things. Um, and all of a sudden, we're potentially losing that grandfathering because when they go and re-contribute and put the money back into super and then recommence an account-based pension, obviously that new account-based pension is being commenced on or after the 1st of July 2015, 1st of January 2015, excuse me. Um, and so, you know, they may be impacted, but maybe not so many people in that situation. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, if, if they, there will be some people that would still have a grandfathered account-based pension that might be under 75. Um, and particularly if they had a young spouse or something, that might be the case. But um, yeah, the but you're right, like if somebody does have a grandfathered account-based pension and, and they are under 75, that's definitely part of the decision-making, isn't it, with the re-contribution strategies that they are going to move from grandfathering to deeming and how would that affect their, their age pension? 
Yeah, I suppose in that situation, it's not only understanding the, the impact. If it's going to be full commutation and recontribution, then, yeah, but also if it's a partial one, we're having to understand the impact on the reduction in the deductible. But anyway, we're kind of off on a tangent there. Let's get back. So in terms of the deeming rates, now, they've been frozen currently, but as I kind of intimated right in the introduction, not forever. Um, they're frozen at their current levels through to 30 June 2024, so actually not that far away. Yeah, that's right. So we've got really low deeming rates, 0.25% and 2.25%, and they are frozen until 30 June 2024. Um, but I guess what's going to happen when that date comes around is is the interesting part. If we mm-hmm. we know that interest rates have gone up um, for everything else, um, and so the government actually sets the deeming rates on a pretty ad hoc basis. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we would assume that um, deeming rates could well increase when that freezing finishes on the 30th of June 24. So, um, yeah, I guess that's part of this decision-making. Yeah. I remember when, you know, when interest rates came down quite significantly and when you just said there that they they changed the deeming rates on a pretty ad hoc, the, the government of the day was getting criticism because, you know, interest rates had really come right back down, but yet the deeming rates were still quite high, weren't they? Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of commentary about that over the years, isn't it, as to, you know, how quickly and, and whether the level of deeming rates is appropriate given the yeah. other sorts of returns that are around there for so, financial investments. So if they jump in, you know, come 1 July 2024 and, and ratchet them right back up, uh, yeah, that will, you know, you would think that, Unpopular. you know, yeah, you, did, you didn't reduce them when they dropped, but as mm. soon as they go up, you, you're straight onto it. Now... Back to the back to the story again. Off from all these tangents. So I, I imagine if you've got a client in this situation about deciding what they're going to do, they just need to to model the client situation to figure out where they're going to be better off or worse off. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I guess we need to sort of do some modelling based on if interest if deeming rates did get increased. Um, you know, what would be the impact on that particular client situation? Do you want to give us an example? Yeah, sure. Well, if we if we assume that you know it's it's um after thirty June next year and and perhaps the government has increased deeming rates to deeming rates to three and five percent, so a bit of a jump. Um, but I guess we're looking at a a kind of a worst case scenario. Um, and we we had a look at a client who is a single client. They're a homeowner. Um, you know, they've got ten k household contents and just five hundred thousand in um you know an account based pension that's subject to to um deeming, uh, what would be the impact of the increase in the deeming rates? Um, So we're assuming here, you know, we've moved them from a grandfather one to a deemed one. And right now, deeming rates are really low. But if they increase up to 3 and 5%, would they be impacted then? Um, And interestingly, in that scenario, um, when the deeming rates shoot up, it does increase their assessable income from 10,000 122 per annum to 23,872 per annum. So that increase in deeming rates does substantially increase their assessable income. But based on this particular client scenario, it actually doesn't change their age pension because they're still asset tested in this scenario where they have 510,000 of assets. And we do see that quite a lot that people are asset tested rather than income tested. And so, you know, deeming rates would have to go up quite a bit to to impact them. But where where we do see it 
um, having an effect is where they have some other kinds of accessible income as well. So if they had a defined benefit pension or a foreign pension or, you know, anything like that, that that causes them to to have higher accessible income, then that increase in deeming rates could well impact them under the income test. Um, and in fact, in this scenario, it would actually take 17,000. If they had 17,000 of other income, mm -hmm. um, they would become income tested and that, you know, that increase in deeming rates from three to three and five percent would um, start reducing their age pension. So obviously, like everything, it just depends on the client's individual circumstances. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of people might not be affected at all if they don't have, um, you know, other income or their particular situation. But if they if they do have other income, they could well be impacted. So it is important to, um, you know, model each particular client scenario um, and, and thinking about what future increases in deeming rates could do. Yeah, uh, I guess another thing here is, um, and this was a recent change that came through on the 1st of January this year about you know, home sale proceeds and if you're going to take your, go and sell your family home and you intend to buy another one, um, then yes, you're, you're now getting that assets test exemption for 24 months instead of 12 months, but also they were going to deem, so if you go and put all your money in a, in a bank account until you buy your new home, they're going to deem that at that lower well, they are deeming that amount at the lower deeming rate of 0.25%. So if yep. we see that jump quite substantially, that that will also flow That's through. That's right. Yeah, that could impact them as well. Yeah, okay. Now, I guess another issue to consider is reversionary account-based pensions. So if a client has a grandfather account-based pension and they've nominated their spouse's reversionary beneficiary, then when it reverts to the spouse, don't they continue to receive the grandfathered income stream? Yeah, that's right. So as long as the spouse um, that receives the income stream themselves is on, you know, Centrelink or DBA income support payments such as the age pension, then that grandfathered account-based pension will continue to be grandfathered when it reverts to that beneficiary. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and and then the question becomes, well, is that actually beneficial for that spouse? Is grandfathering a good thing or would deeming be better Um taking into account their overall income and asset position. Um, it is complicated, isn't it, when we have one spouse pass away um, because the, the surviving spouse is then subject to the single income and asset test thresholds for Centrelink um, and it depends on what income and assets are, you know, still in that person's name um, under the – so when we're determining their entitlement. So it really needs to, um, again, modelling their particular scenario um, to see what the impact would be of a deemed or a grandfathered account-based pension. Yeah, that's a good point. But I guess the spouse could always roll over the reversionary account-based pension to a new death benefit account-based pension that is subject to deeming if that provides a better outcome. Now, in this case, as you know, as people get older, obviously with account-based pensions, they're forced to draw more and more income out. At some point, you know, even if they've been drawing up to the deductible amount, not beyond, but all of a sudden... Um, there's potentially a lot more income becoming accessible into the future as these people get older and older. It could be, yeah. So certainly the minimums are, are jump up, don't they, uh, the minimum percentage. So it depends what's happened with that account balance. Um, but, yeah, it could be that those minimums force them to draw more than the deductible amount, which, um, you know, could negatively impact them under the income test and in some cases deeming might provide a better outcome. It really does just depend on, on that account balance and the client situation. So I guess what you're saying is, yeah, rolling over it could provide a better outcome, but you yes. just you just got to yeah. figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess another issue we haven't discussed yet is the good old Commonwealth Seniors Health Card. 
Um, grandfathering account-based pension applies for that as well, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. So same date, uh, the 1st of January 2015. Um, a little bit different treatment though. So uh, the way it worked is prior to the 1st of January 2015 for the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card, um, under those old rules, if you had an account-based pension that started before that time and you were in receipt of the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card, they actually didn't include any assessable income from that account-based mm -hmm. pension um, in the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card income test. Um, as long as you know you were over 60 because it was just based on adjusted taxable income and of course there's no tax nothing is included in adjusted taxable income if you receive an account-based pension and you're over 60. Um, however they changed the rules from the 1st of January 2015 and all new account-based pensions commenced after that time are again deemed um, when they're working out the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card income test um, and this meant that you know many people who had those pre-1 January 2015 account-based pensions um, didn't want to roll them over. They were kind of stuck in mm -hmm. that product because they didn't want it to become deemed under the income test. Like Exactly, like my parents and their, their Commonwealth Seniors Health Card and their, their self-managed super fund. So uh, I've, I think I've talked about that story before where I sometimes mention the idea of uh, winding up their SMSF and going back to a an easier large fund and uh, and then I talk about the potential impact on their Commonwealth Seniors Health Card and they look like at me like I'm completely <laughs> and utterly insane. What, why would we do anything to risk that? But um, uh, here I guess the current very low deeming rates are also resulting in low accessible income. Yeah, that's right. So really low deeming rates mean even if, they, if that account-based pension does become subject to deeming when you roll it over, probably isn't much income that's being included in the Commonwealth Seniors Healthcare Card income test anyway. And the recent big jump in the income test thresholds for the Commonwealth mm. Seniors Healthcare Card to 90,000 for singles and 144,000 for couples has meant that, you know, you'd have to have quite a lot of um, uh, money in an account-based pension that's subject yeah, to, to get up near those thresholds. It's up in the ranges of four, four and six million, or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, for, it's something very big. Um, depend depending on their other taxable income as well, of course. But assuming that they've only got an account-based pension, yeah, it's a it's a very big balance, which is pretty hard to do these days with transfer balance caps. Yeah, but I suppose with with the suggestion that these you know deeming rates will go up not that far into the future, then those figures come back down. That's right. Yep, that needs to be factored in. So I suppose moral of the story there, once again, is you need to do the calculations. Um, but, you know, there might be a lot of people out there that might actually be no worse off or even better off actually entitled to an increased age pension entitlement um, by potentially rolling over and coming under the deemed calculation if that results in less income being assessed and, and they're subject to the income test. Yeah, that's right. So it's definitely worth looking at. It's, it's not that... Um, it's always the best idea to be had to have a grandfathered account-based pension, um, but it, but yeah, that that once you jump, you're in the deeming world, and then you're subject to both future increases. Definitely needs to be taken yeah. into account. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Kim. I think that just about covers it. Great. Thanks, Craig. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note that these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during the podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. 
You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited and Adventist Investments Limited accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.